Welcome, everyone. Today is Sunday, October 13th, and we are back with another episode of Ken and Co., Woo-hoo! the podcast where we cover all the hot topics in IO psychology. Today's topic is an important one. We're talking about maternity and motherhood in the workplace and how it affects women's careers. This topic is important because today's global workforce is composed of 39% women. And as the number of uh, two-parent household incomes increases, the number of mothers in the workforce has also been gradually increasing. However, personal experience and research suggests that there's this preferential treatment of men in the workplace, almost a patriarchy. And gender in the workplace is a very interesting topic to explore, especially as it pertains to pregnancy and maternity, which is a unique phenomenon, well, only women can experience. To, in brief, we'll start with a brief definition of maternity and maternity leave, and then we'll let our lovely panel of guests do the rest of the hard work. So maternity leave refers to a period of time that new mothers take off from work following the birth of a baby. Many companies have policies that also expand and include fathers for paternal leave, but today we're talking about maternal leave primarily. And there's a, a myriad of benefits that may be included in each individual company's policies. But in general, it's basically a short sabbatical from work to take care of a child. So today I'm joined by a panel of three IO experts who are here to tell us a little bit about maternity. We're looking at how the experiences of becoming a parent, i.e. a mother, has impacted a woman's career. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Sure. My name is Rokaya Alavi, and I currently work for the National Association of State Workforce Agencies as a data analyst. And I'm Kelsey Schamberger, and I work for the Association of American Medical Colleges as a recruiter. And I'm Ada Rodriguez. I am a career coach at the universities at Shady Grove. Thank you all for being here today. Thanks for having us. So to begin, Let's talk about why this topic is important in the first place. So why should organizations care about a woman's experience in the workplace as it relates to pregnancy and motherhood? Any ideas? Well, I think just from a basic, like, human rights standpoint, I think that women are people and they deserve to be treated with respect and supported throughout all their stages of life. Um, They have different needs than men, and I think... It just kind of makes sense in this day and age that um, organizations really should should support that. Yeah. Ada, would you like to add to that? Yeah, and thinking back to the business perspective about how, you know, more women are graduating with bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. They make more than 50% of new graduates. And that means that companies are missing out on a large portion of the talent pool. Uh, in the future, as more women enter the workforce, if they're leaving, that is a cost to an employer, um, a cost to talent, but also the financial burden of having to uh, having high turnover and having to hire new people. Excellent points. That brings up really great ideas and points as to why organizations should care. And I'll just add that I'm pretty sure that all of us here know and all of us who are listening know somebody who has been pregnant and has faced certain issues related to pregnancy in the workplace and we all can feel the 
injustice that usually takes place when it when this topic comes up. Yeah, it was, it's been in the news lately, too. I don't know if any of you all saw that story about Elizabeth yes, Warren yes. and how she, I think, I can't remember what the ultimate thing, I think she was denied a promotion or something effectively because she had to go out on maternity leave. Is that right? I think it was something like that. So, I mean, obviously, it's, it's an issue that people have been talking about a lot lately, and um, it, you know, it tends to come up because it, it's um, it's an important thing in, in our society. So, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I can understand why certain businesses and organizations might have some hesitancy in hiring a pregnant woman. So can you tell me a little bit about the perceptions some employers may have with regards to hiring pregnant women? So the general perception that employers have um, when they see that a candidate is pregnant or even a woman is that eventually down the road they're going to have to give her maternity leave. So that from an organizational perspective actually um, usually indicates that they're going to be losing an employee for a certain amount of time and it's not going to be productive or beneficial for the organization in any way. So. Um, it's actually interesting that in 2016, um, there was a Times article that was highlighting a specific Reddit thread where a self-identified Silicon Valley startup CEO specifically stated that he does not hire women because it's too risky. And I mean, I don't know about you guys, but just hearing that, um, is almost blasphemous to me. I'm like, you know what's risky? It's risky. A lawsuit is risky. So this specific issue was actually very interesting, and I thought it kind of illustrated the um, widely held perceptions towards hiring um, women or even pregnant women. Um, so this specific CEO stated that... Um, since California is one of the only states that requires paid maternity leave for female employees, making, making female employees, um, hiring female employees is quite a risk for small businesses. So in that specific article, um, the author had actually explained that this was um, a distortion of what actually goes on when it comes to maternity leave. So just for um, the listener's benefit, in California, um, if an organization does not provide paid leave for maternity, um, every employee is entitled to short-term disability insurance, which is actually funded through the employee's payroll taxes. So it's not a burden on the organization itself. Wow, thank you for educating us and our listeners on such an important topic. Can I jump in? Sorry, course, I have yeah, an example. Right so I just wanted to talk a little bit as a recruiter um, how I see this come up, hiring pregnant women. Um, and it's definitely something that um, I think can be an issue for women as they're going through the recruitment process. So um, I remember a couple years ago we hired someone who I guess didn't appear as pregnant when she interviewed, but when the first day came around it was obvious that she was pregnant. Um, and the supervisor stormed down to my desk absolutely furious. Oh, what wow. are we going to do about this? Mm. Um, and so, of course, I had to kind of talk her off the ledge. And, um, you know, it worked out. But I think, like, it's interesting that that was her gut reaction. Right. Um, we also had an instance just last week where someone interviewed and she was seated for the entire interview. But when we met her, we could see she was visibly pregnant. Um, but I don't think that the supervisor saw. And so we didn't share that information with 
them because it's obviously not relevant. It's illegal yeah. to discriminate on the basis of pregnancy, but doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. There are definitely so, the yeah. perceived notions about the idea of pregnancy in the workplace. But to go back to the idea of California, can you talk to me a little bit about what the state of maternity leave is like in the United States currently? Oh, let's see. Who's the best one to field this question? I think um, right now the U.S. is the only country in the world without paid maternity leave. The, not the only country, sorry. The, the only industrialized country. Okay. So of our kind of countries that are similar to us, our peers, we're the only ones who don't offer paid leave. Wow. Basically the way it works right now is that you are supposed to have 12 weeks of job protection. Right. Um, so no one is required to pay you for any of that time, but you should, um, according to the law, have your job if you come back in 12 weeks. Um, so obviously this is different than a lot of other countries out there. And I know Ada has done some work on, um, some of our peers that have more robust maternity okay. policies. So, so Ada, from your sort of research and work, what, how do other countries compare to the United States when it comes to the issue of maternity leave? Well, most, most of the other countries put us to shame. <laughs> Denmark, what's you? Yeah. What's you? Yes. <laughs> Denmark gives a full year of maternity parental leave oh, okay. to parents. Um, it is accessible to both the father and the mother, uh, and it starts a full month before the mother goes is scheduled to go into labor, which is very beneficial because most mothers are very tired by the end of their pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It's very uncomfortable to have to. Uh, go into work every day but then also it gives you time to prepare and it creates room for like any emergencies but you know just to go further into that uh, after the baby is born uh, the, the mother is given three months to recover from birth and then two weeks out of the full year are designated for the father and then the rest of the time is split between the both the, mo the mother and the father uh, it, it doesn't mean that this is a perfect system. There's a large gap, wage gap, for men and women in Denmark. And it does impact the rest of the woman's career because being out of work, out of the workplace for a year, will impact your progression, of course. But then we look at countries like Iceland that uh, have remediated this problem by designating three months of the maternity leave to the father specifically. And by making the leave equitable and mm -hmm. making it so both the father and the mother have to take the leave, if not they lose the leave, it really has helped women become more equal in the workplace. It has decreased the salary gap, the wage gap. And um, I think it's also fair for the father to be able to bond with his child. Definitely. And in Denmark... I think the reason that they don't do that the men are not taking as much leave as the women are is because of economic reasons. Since there is a wage gap, men make more money and that means that they're taking they're taking a little bit of a pay cut at the oh, if they take leave, extended leave. extended leave and and then it's during the time in which they need the money. Right. But then also when we get to the cultural issues, men are mm -hmm. seen as less than for taking that time. So if the state did make it required, it would be seen differently. And that is an issue that is still ongoing in like, their government. So state mandated, mandated excuse me, leave for both the mother and the father is, 
resulted in some good practices yeah, in Iceland. In Iceland. And therefore, I think even though Denmark also gives the full year, which is great, I think by um, the way Iceland has approached it is a lot more equitable. Yeah. It's interesting, too, with the Denmark example, how it's almost like this positive feedback loop. So it's like men make more, so therefore they can't afford to take off or mm. to take care of their child. Mm-hmm. So then they end up making more because they don't have any you know, stalls or delays in their career. So it's just, it's it's funny how those things kind of build on each other. Good yeah, point. and it just continues. Like, just because the men are not taking the time off, it doesn't mean that they're not negatively impacted by those decisions. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it, it, we're assuming that only women want to spend time with their children and that they don't feel, men don't feel bad at all by leaving a newborn they would be perfectly comfortable dropping off a newborn at daycare and that just really isn't the case so could any of you tell me a little bit about some of the biggest challenges that women face when they return to work after having a child when it comes to their careers and career growth yeah well I think there's you know the obvious challenges is that it's it's hard to be separated with a new with a new child. I think that is obviously we're focusing on how maternity affects women's careers, but I, I do want to mention that because I think that's really important. Right. Um, I think, you know, one some of the big things that research has found is that um, a lot of women have encountered different kind of biases among colleagues after returning to work. So there was a really interesting study that followed um, 100 women Um, surveyed them before they went on a maternity leave, during maternity leave, and then after they came back, all about their attitudes and perceptions about their experience. Um, So it was interesting that um, before they came back to work, you know, their last day of maternity leave, they were so excited to return to the office and they were, um, you know, obviously sad about leaving their child in a lot of of ways, but um, the overwhelming majority were enthusiastic about kind of jumping right in. Um, And then at the end of their first day, I think that enthusiasm had um, drained significantly. So it can be a really overwhelming experience, Mm -hmm. I think, to just kind of be thrown back into it. But, um, you know, some of the big reasons they said that it was overwhelming was that they were on the receiving end of a lot of these um, almost kind of microaggressions, like little comments like, um, oh, you're back. We barely missed you. Or, yeah, or... um, Oh, like we, someone, so and so was doing all your work, and they didn't. We we didn't even notice you were gone. Mm. So I think a lot of people um, encountered that. And then another thing I'll mention too is just the issue of career derailment. So um, ideally, it should be you know kind of a seamless transition. You pick up sort of where you left off. But um, there was one woman in particular who was interviewed for the study, and she said that um, while she was on a maternity leave, all of her clients were given to someone else. Um, and then when she came back, they weren't given back to her. And the person who uh, was overseeing those clients um, didn't even know that they were initially her clients. So that's something that can have a real kind of like brick wall sort of effect on someone's career with that, um, yeah, has a serious impact. So Definitely. And I'm, I haven't done my research, but I'm sure there are issues like postpartum depression that really play a huge role if gone untreated in terms of how a woman transitions back to the workplace and how that can ultimately affect her career as yeah. something that... There's, I'm sure there's physical and, you know, mental things that people are trying to contend with, too, so. Definitely. So, may I ask, um, what is the recommended amount of time that women should have between childbirth and returning back to work? That's a good question. As previously mentioned, there are 12 weeks given by the U.S. What 
the WHO, the World Health Organization, uh, recommends is about 16 weeks. Even that is on the lower side. But I think in general, anything between six months and a year mm-hmm. is good. I don't know if anyone wants to chime in on that. Yeah, I think um, there's a consensus that, um, you know, there's kind of a sweet spot in the middle. Mm-hmm. So, like, longer than a year can be sort of a big absence, right? And right. unfortunately, that, you know, is more time that you're out of the workforce. Um, whereas, you know, 12 weeks has been associated with really negative psychological impacts for the child, for the marriage, for the woman's stress at work. Um, you know, it's it's something that... Um, you know, the study that I looked at on this was actually done by developmental psychologists because they wanted to understand how it affects a child's development and found, um, you know, a lot of a lot of really negative, um, you know, things about their attachment with the parent. Um, so maternity leave is really important from a health perspective, um, but it is, I think, kind of about finding that happy medium. That is actually so interesting because on a more personal level, I remember having a coworker. Um, she's a little bit older and she had triplets. They were now about 20 years old, but she told me that when they were born, imagine having triplets, yeah. and she said she only had 10 weeks of maternity leave. Imagine having triplets, period. period. <laughs> <laughs> Story ends there. Yeah. <laughs> I had triplets. Yeah, that's crazy. It's just, yeah, it's it's really hard to believe. I mean, and frankly, perfect babies with perfect mothers, with perfect fathers, they don't really sleep through the night until four months. Mm. So imagine being up every two to three hours and then having to go into work the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think too, like, you know, as kids get older, they have um, parent-teacher conferences mm-hmm. and things that you need to kind of be at that aren't always, you know, in the evenings or weekends. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think kind of managing those competing priorities is important for women and men. I think but then that's what's where... even crazier is that all of this is happening. There's so many different priorities being balanced, but management doesn't really care because they only see you as an employee. Mm. I think um, it really goes into the importance of flexibility right. and um, the difference between like just providing uh, parental leave and then also creating an environment that allows parents to get their deliverables done and be able to go to the dentist appointment. Mm-hmm. And both of those are important in order to have uh, an employee, a, uh, a team member that can contribute. Yeah. I don't um, have kids, and I'm like, <laughs> flexibility is the number one best thing about my job. Mm-hmm. So Definitely having a work environment that's family-friendly is so important. But let's assume a six-month to one-year period is assigned um, and is taken as maternity leave for a particular woman. How do perceptions of women change once they come back from maternity leave? And do you think men face same, similar discrimination as it pertains to paternal leave? I feel like I've been talking a lot, but I want to talk about this study. No, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, this this study has kind of like rocked me this week. I keep thinking about it and mm-hmm. just feeling sad about it. So um, there was an interesting study done on... Um, employees' perception of parents versus non-parents and women and men and how that has an impact on their career advancement and pay increases. Um, So the study found that um, after having a child, um, women were seen as more warm, um, so that kind of motherly kind of vibe, (laughs) but um, significantly less competent. 
So after, after they have a child, they're seen as less competent. Um, whereas men are seen as just as competent, but they get a they get a nice boost from that perceived warmness. Mm-hmm. Um, so they actually benefit from it, um, while women do not. And they asked folks, um, respondents, if they would, um, you know, who they were interested in hiring, promoting, um, or giving a raise to, and um, significantly were more interested in um, promoting individuals who either were men or women without children. Oh. So it has a direct impact on the opportunities that they had to, you know, rise the rise up the ladder. And I think at work we all see that, you know, because there's always like, um, it, it, even my myself, like I will be in a meeting and I'm like, oh, so and so can't be here, so we have to reschedule. Like their kid is sick, and I feel this like slight tinge of like. Oh, you know, and I'm a mom, and I understand, and I still find myself sometimes thinking that way and having to, like, check myself. Mm-hmm. But then we also see that with, like, every single time a man has to do the same thing, everybody immediately, oh, that's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? And, uh, I mean. What a good dad. What a good dad. And that that's, you know, I, I'm like, well, in reality, this is a man who is doing what he's supposed to do, just like when a woman is having to reschedule a meeting and she's doing what she's supposed to do. It doesn't actually make a good mother or a good father. And, but men do get that boost of being a good father for doing what, for being an equal partner. Yeah. So this is some excellent conversation we're having right now. Take us back. Uh, Yeah. So before, (laughs) before we come back and before we continue, we have a quick message from our sponsors. Are you looking to jumpstart your career? Do you have a passion for making organizations work better? Then consider pursuing a degree in industrial organizational psychology. The University of Maryland has a great master's program that will work for your life and your schedule. In just 15 months, you'll become a trained IO practitioner who can help organizations make more data-driven decisions. For more information, please email us at iomps at umd.edu. Use code KENNENCO for a 15% discount on tuition. So one key figure who comes to mind is Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, who at the New York General Assembly of the United Nations actually brought her younger than three-month-year-old daughter to the General Assembly and was the first person to ever do so, making history. So can you talk about how women find a way of balancing their family and work life? So I can't really speak to the research that has been done on this, but just from like the layperson's perspective, if I ever were to see a government official, uh, a female government official bringing her child with her to such an important meeting, I would see that as inspirational. I think that's amazing that you're able to balance um, a very demanding job with the other demanding job of being a mother and kind of breaking those barriers, blending the two and trying to excel in both arenas. Not to stir the pot or anything, but doesn't it sort of show that there's a lack of work-life balance if Mm -hmm. she's having to bring her baby Mm -hmm. into the workplace? That is an excellent point, and I think it is a perfect illustration of exactly that. Um, I'm not sure about the 
Um, it's it's a good yeah. question yeah. though, because like you wonder, it's like, does it is it um, is it just like a sign of like, oh, she doesn't have, you know, childcare. She's having to take this baby with her, and um, it's hard to balance everything at once. Or is it um, progressive and saying like, you know, we need to allow women to be their full selves, and if that means bringing your kid to work for an afternoon because the babysitter canceled and being accepting of that, then that's great. Yeah. You know, so I think, I don't know, I think there, it's it's a hard, yeah. there's a lot of different ways to look at it. I think it's a hard balance because, like, if that is the case, like, if you don't have backup care and you need to bring in your child into work, like, I really like the option of being able to do that in an emergency. Mm-hmm. But frankly, like, if I have the PTO to take off, I'd rather just take off. I yeah. have a five-year-old. She has never let me finish a sentence at home, <laughs> let alone at work. And um, and on top of that, she knows a lot. So then she would like embarrass me in front of like my colleagues and correct my grammar. My parents used to take me to their work all the time as a child. I think I terrorized the entire office. <laughs> like I remember, I knew like who had the good candy. Mm-hmm. And anyway, but it was really nice for them. Yeah, and I that, think. Yeah, so. I think honestly, like off the record, I don't know about your your guys's organizations, but I mean, just the other day, one of my male colleagues brought in his like seven year old daughter. And, I mean, there's no official policy saying, yeah, you guys are allowed to do this when, you know, you can't find care and time or anything like that. But it is an option that's available. But, like I said, it's off the record. And if you can't find care for an extended period of time, I'm sure that it wouldn't be allowed to bring your child in, like, every day for, like, two weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. So my organization actually offers some benefits around this. We offer emergency backup child care. Which is a phenomenal benefit. We offer six days a year. That's of backup child care, which which is really cool, yeah. you know, if you daycare's closed or whatever it might be. Um, so I think if employers think about, um, you know, one of the big takeaways is not just thinking about let's take care of people on maternity leave, but let's figure out how it's easier to work and be a parent. Right. And that is one of the big ways to do that is thinking about what benefits you can have. So, Kelsey, I'm kind of curious, is that for all parents, moms and dads, or is it something that's yeah. like, yeah. okay, yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, it's one of, it's, it's in line with one child. of those, like, uh, it's in line with those benefits that let mothers like slowly reincorporate, like rejoin the job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I forget the term guys. Yeah. So <laughs> I, well, one of the benefits, what, what Ada's talking about right now is, um, something that's kind of a, a little bit of a new hot topic is the idea of women having a phased return to work from maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of saying like, okay, you're on maternity leave and then you're diving in 100% tomorrow, um, allowing them a little bit of like a ramp up period. Um, so then can you maybe tell me more ways that employers can support women as they return to work? Yeah, so I think um, there's a lot of different things. So first I think the management perspective on maternity leave is really okay. critical. So if you view it as some like catastrophic career altering event, then that's how it's going to be. Right. Um, but if you're like, you know what, this is a brief interlude. We'll see you in six months. Enjoy your time. You know, nothing's going to change. Also, ironically to that point, it's always funny to me how maternity leave policy and maternity policies in general are always included in the HR packet as sort of like a benefit, as if management is doing you a favor by giving you the opportunity yeah. oh, to wow. take time off. Like, <laughs> Look at congratulations, this. we're weeks. doing you a favor. Here, take 12 weeks, yeah. in the case of the US, to you know take care of yourself, the baby, 
get your life in order before coming to work. But yeah, um, it's interesting kind of fr- no, yeah. it's interesting framing it as a yeah. benefit versus like this should be like a fundamental like right of right. everyone in a lot of ways. Um, and I wanted to add on that you know with uh, the perception of management, they lead by example. So mm-hmm. the uh, in the, going back to Denmark, I know we were jumping back. One of the issues that they have is that only that male managers tend to only take fourteen days off of leave. So then, if you're a man and your man is a manager as well, then you are going to feel more self conscious about taking more time mm-hmm. because your boss only took the two weeks that were allotted instead of expanding and taking up more of the leave. Yeah. So that's another. Yeah, I think sharing the leave between mothers and fathers, um, having a phased return to work, having a um, kind of inclusive environment for mothers when they get back, having people be kind of aware of those ways that you can um, sort of undermine new parents and their skills when they return to the office, um, I think are some big ways. And then one thing I'll finally mention too is the idea of flexible working hours. I know we talked a little bit about that, but there's real research surrounding this that um, individuals who and parents who have flexible work hours are more likely to uh, be engaged in their job, to stay at their job, to report that their productivity went up, and to report that they're better able to manage their work um, and home life. So, yeah, it's it's pr- it's pretty critical. So thinking about how we can support parents after they go back to work is, is really a key thing that employers can do. And that is something that we really see in the U.S. in medicine. The doctors um, used to have to run to the hospital every single time there was an ER emergency or someone went into labor. But now that doctors are more likely to work as a part of a group and share resources, they have things like backup, like have like a substitute that can perform that or have duty nights in which you're the one who's at the hospital in case anyone in your practice goes into labor. Uh, All of those things have actually made uh, medicine a more hospitable environment for working parents in general because you can work part-time and still make as much as you would if you worked full-time, but then uh, you're you're less subject to emergencies. So when you're a parent, you're completely devoted that entire time. And then when you're on duty, um, it's easier to plan for that than it is to always be on call. And so uh, we've seen that uh, doctors actually have a very great... uh, reputation for creating a family-friendly practice because of the changes in medicine. And I really do think that if doctors can figure it out, people who treat life-threatening illnesses and have emergencies and things like that, like real emergencies, not like the copier group, but like a real emergency (laughs) of all the people, people, if they can figure out, I feel like the rest of the country can also figure it out. So there's a fly buzzing around in our studios, but more importantly, there's an elephant in the room. The gender <laughs> pay gap. Let's talk about Let's it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it's a big one. So what role does motherhood play in that, and how can we, you know, help? Let's discuss. So the general understanding with the gender pay gap is that women make 75 cents to every dollar that men make. So if you want to conceptualize that, if I applied to a job, I got a job that a male, my male counterpart also got, he would be making $100,000 compared to the $75,000 that I would be making for the same exact role, same exact responsibilities. Um, That's a general understanding, but people fail to consider that it's not 
so clean cut when it comes to pay. This, these numbers also take into account the time off that women take when it comes to raising children. It also, um, it also takes into account the child rearing that is involved. So for example, women taking time off to um, tend to sick children or even like regular things like PTA meetings and um, other responsibilities that come with raising children. Um, all of this is factored into the 75 cents that women, women make to every dollar that men make. So it's more of a comprehensive thing. So these employers are taking sort of what womanhood and maternity means into account when giving and assigning pay. Exactly. Well, sort of, it's sort of, it's, sorry, it's sort of that, but it's also um, a lot of the time because women effectively end up working a little bit less because they're having to pick up the slack in all the other areas of their life. So um, the gender pay gap doesn't really emerge until um, individuals start entering child-rearing age. So when women and men start out in their careers, they're yeah. making relatively the same amounts of money pretty closely. Um, but then um, as women have children, they're expected to take on more responsibilities at home, and so they end up scaling back a little bit and working a little bit less um, which has an impact on their wages. So it's interesting that by the time um, those same individuals are in their mid-40s, women make on average around 55% of what men do. Um, so the pay gap between women and w men and women who don't have children is a lot smaller. So yeah, we're kind of right. It's not just here's a job and paying the man at 50 cents and the woman 25 cents. It's you know taking into account all of these societal factors that um, make it harder for women to work more, to be paid more, and to advance in their career. Um, and a lot of that does kind of boil down in some ways to um, their expectations of, of motherhood. Yeah, and I would like to just let everybody know, for fun fact, I took two years off after having my daughter, and I definitely lost $20,000. And I still haven't recovered. I've been back at work now for a number of years, and I don't think I'll be able to get back to that number um, anytime soon. Yeah, it's, it's a real thing. So as we uh, come to a close here, I just want to give everyone the opportunity for any final thoughts, comments. So the floor is yours. So I know that we shared a lot of disappointing facts throughout this um, podcast, but I do want to emphasize that organizations are starting to really value diversity and inclusion a lot more. And um, it this definitely falls under that umbrella. And I hope to see more fair policies being implemented in the near future. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think even politically, you hear um, candidates talking about paid family leave. Um, so I think it's something that, you know, we're, we're kind of in, a, it's kind of sobering right now to hear all the facts. and. Um, sort of how the United States doesn't necessarily measure up to some of our peers, but I think the conversation is starting. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we're trending in a positive direction. Yeah. Dialogue is always a good first step. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So thank you, everyone. But we've reached the end of another episode of Canon Co. Podcast. Please connect with us on social media and visit our website, canonco.com. Don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletters and we hope to see you in the next episode. And a special thanks to all of our guests here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks.
Oh, 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 oh,